But before we do that, we're going to take some time and look in God's word. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you, you'll find that on page 212. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare to partake of these elements, may we prepare our hearts. May we examine our hearts in light of all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that we would remember those things that we need to remember. And remind us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. The nation of Israel, as many of you know, took a long road to the promised land. It took them a while to get there. First of all, they suffered as slaves for 400 years in Egypt, a lot of suffering. And then you remember God sent Moses and Israel was redeemed out of Egypt by the miraculous hand of God with the plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea. Israel was free, headed to the promised land. But then you remember that first generation, they sent spies into the land, and they came back with the report, the land's great, but there's these giants in the land. And they spread fear. And Israel did not have the faith to go in. The Lord was not happy with their lack of faith. And so Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years until that first generation died out. 40 years, a nation of two and a half million wandering around in the wilderness. At last, the next generation, the second generation, was given their shot. And so they come to the very entrance of the promised land. They're about to go in. And that's when the book of Deuteronomy was written, right before that nation went in. Moses wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to prepare that nation for promised land living. Notice what Moses says to them in verse 7. He says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, vines, fig tree, pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron. And out of whose hills you can dig copper. Moses is saying, nation of Israel, boy, is God going to bless you. God is going to give you a prosperous, secure home. You're going to enter a land of great beauty, blessing, and provision. All the water sources, the brooks, the streams, the fountains... All the food, all the agricultural 
blessing. The wheat, the barley, the vines, the fig trees, the pomegranates, the olive oil, the honey. The land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to bless you in that land. And remember, the food yield in that land was so amazing, almost miraculous. You remember when the 12 spies came back with that first generation? They came with samples from the promised land. And they brought back grapes, one branch with one cluster of grapes, and they had to carry it between two of them on a pole. Just incredible blessing. God says, I'm bringing you into a land with minerals and resources, copper, iron, you'll find out later, gold, silver. I'm going to bless you. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses says to the nation of Israel, The Lord intends to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Houses full of all good things which you did not fill. Hewn out wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. You will lack nothing. You will be so blessed in the land. Verse 10, Moses says to them, When you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Moses says, you just wait and see. You're going to go in. You're going to be blessed. And you're going to know it's from the Lord. And you're going to bless God. You're gonna, it's going to be undeniable. God's blessing upon the land. Enjoy it. Be fruitful in it. God's given it to you. God's blessed you. Then Moses gives a word of warning. A big caution. Verse 11. Beware. Be on high alert. Be on guard. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and you've built beautiful houses and you dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, that you forget the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led you through that great and terrible wilderness. In which there were fiery serpents and scorpions. And a thirsty land where there was no water. Who brought water for you out of the flinty rock. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know. Moses says. Remember. You go into the land and you're blessed. Don't forget who put you there. Don't forget who's blessed you. You remember him. The Lord brought you out of the house of bondage. Don't forget that. The Lord brought you through the wilderness with all the scorpions. Don't forget that. When, you're eat, when you've eaten and, and are full, don't forget the Lord. When you have beautiful houses that you get to dwell in, 
don't forget the Lord. When your herds and flocks multiply, don't forget the Lord. When your silver and gold is multiplied, don't forget the Lord. When all that you have is multiplied, don't forget the Lord. Nation of Israel, Moses says, listen, God is going to bless you and don't forget it. Remember who put you there? Remember who's blessed you. And keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment. You live life as he wants you to live nationally and personally. You want to stay fruitful? You want to stay blessed? Don't forget the Lord. Now that's a very powerful thing. That's People of God, never forget what God has done. For you, all the ways that he's blessed you. Now it's sad, but unfortunately, the nation of Israel did forget the Lord. Those of you who know their history, there were seasons where they followed the Lord as a nation, usually and only when there was a godly leader on the throne. But most of the times, they were idolatrous, they rebelled, they forsook the Lord, they did not keep his commandments. They began worshiping false gods and pagan gods. Israel got involved in the worship of the goddess of sexual perversion. Her name's Ashtoreth. They began to worship the god of materialism and greed, Baal. They even began to worship a god called Molech, who was worshiped with child sacrifice. They forgot. Mom and dad forgot to tell The kids, the succeeding generations never heard about how good God was, and they rebelled. And you know what? They lost their land. God removed his protective care and blessing upon the nation of Israel. They didn't want God to be a part of their nation, so God left. very powerful thing to remember and that is to always remember what the Lord has done in your life now tomorrow as you know we are celebrating Independence Day and I got to tell you I absolutely adore and love the United States of America I love our country don't you And i got to tell you, I thought a lot about our country as I studied this passage this week. In fact, did you know that the book of Deuteronomy holds a very special place in the founding of the United States of America? This book. Review Magazine once documented that one-third of all references and quotations in America's political writings come from the Bible. And the book of the Bible most frequently cited by Americans during the founding era of our nation was Deuteronomy. The founders of this nation were thinking on this book. The founders knew that God was going to bless. And God has blessed. 
the United States of America. Think of what God has done in world history over the last 250 years. Think of the beacon of light that this country has been. All of the blessings, supernatural. The industrial, technological, medical, agricultural, economic advances. Our communities, our homes, our schools, our universities, our hospitals, our cities, our indoor plumbing. I really like that one, don't you? Our standard of living, our military, which not only keeps us safe, but pursues freedom around the globe. Our generosity, we are still the most generous of all nations, giving untold millions of aid to third world countries. We send our Christian missionaries all over the world to bless. And we have freedom. Freedom to do what we want. Freedom to pursue what business, what career. Freedom to speak. Freedom to worship. We are so blessed. And understand, understand why. It's not just because of our ingenuity. It's not just because of our hard work. And and by the way, it does require that. Hard work and ingenuity and people working hard. But the main reason this country is so blessed is because God himself has blessed it. The supernatural blessing of God. All of our founding documents, our national anthems, the mottos, all speak of God's hand upon our country and crying out for his hand to continue to be upon our country. America the Beautiful. O beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee. God literally poured out his grace on us. My country, tis of thee, fourth stanza. Our father's God to thee, author of liberty. To thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God, our King. Pledge of Allegiance. One nation under God. Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The motto on our currency, you can even check it. You pull out a dollar bill or a $5 bill and it'll say, In God we trust. It's the motto of the United States of America. In God we trust. Our founding fathers founded our nation on Christian principles. John Adams said, and I quote, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God, John Adams. George Washington, our first president, no people can be bound to acknowledge the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. 
every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency. You go read the stories of how this nation was founded and the principles upon which it was based, and you read the miracles. God has been good. God is the one who has poured his blessing. And tomorrow, you make sure, you know, when you're having your barbecue and setting off those fireworks, you take time and you bless the Lord. You thank the Lord for what he's done. And by the way, remember all the men and women who have sacrificed so much so that we can enjoy freedom. God is blessed. And so I believe that warning in verse 11 would also apply to our country. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. The United States of America has been blessed by God The United States of America should keep God's commandments, statutes, judgments. Remember him. Keep him first place. Gang, as a church, we need to be the voice of that lovingly and with grace. But we need to be standing for the righteousness of God's commands. Now, we have so many challenges, right? There are lots of challenges. There's always been forces in American history who have you know, sought to get God out and there's the, the group that wants to call everything that God calls good evil and call everything that God calls evil good. And we see all kinds of disregard, blatant, ugly disregard for the righteous standards that God has put in place. Especially in the family. You know, the redefining of family the redefining of parenting, all of this gender identification garbage, confusion, wickedness. Do you realize that that is mocking what God has called good and pure and holy? This country was based upon people with personal freedom. And with that personal freedom, they have personal responsibility. The system's becoming more and more like something that rewards those that are irresponsible and punishes those that are responsible. The nation of America is supposed to be one of law and order and justice and mercy, and now it seems like the criminals get rewarded. The law gets ignored. In the United States of America, we are to protect life, guard it, especially the most vulnerable. And I got to tell you, I was pleased that Roe v. Wade was turned over. Anybody else pleased about that? But I'm still frustrated because there never should have been a Roe v. Wade. And I'm so saddened by the reaction of what, more than half the country that's protesting? Some using violence so that, you know, more babies can be killed in the womb. It's a fight. 
There's a lot of ugly things. There's a lot of people that would like to see all of God's standards thrown out. But listen up. Proverbs 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. Notice it's not military, education, or wealth that exalts a nation. In the eyes of God, what exalts a nation? Righteousness. A good, holy, pure, just. A good people. George Washington said this, The propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right when heaven itself which heaven itself has ordained. That's our first president. He saw God is going to bless, we're going to bless, but heaven's smile will not remain upon a nation that turns from that which is so clear and right and true and pure as proclaimed by God. The Lord is supposed to be number one in this nation. And you know that there's been such an effort to remove God, to scrub God out of every sector of private life. On June 25th, 1962, Engel versus Vitale. On that date, Supreme Court banned prayer in the public schools. You want to know what prayer they banned? You know what the big problem with the prayer that they actually were talking about? Here's how it went. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Amen. What's wrong with that? I got the ball rolling. June 17th, 1963, school-sponsored Bible reading in public schools in the United States was declared to be unconstitutional. Led to all kinds of things. No Christmas, no carols, no religious Christian influence, Ten Commandments taken out of our court system. I mean, there's a force that wants God scrubbed out of every aspect. I think God should be first place in our schools, in our churches, in our White House, in our Capitol. We need godly men and women, and influence in this country. You know, this freedom that we enjoy, what the framer said was no religion would be forced upon you. Nobody can force you how to, how to worship. It didn't say that you got to scrub God out of everything. Gang, If we want God out of our nation, he'll oblige. He did it with Israel. We need to remember. And that's the most important thing. Remember what God has done. Remember his blessing. As Christians living in America, we need to remind our children of how God has blessed this great country. We need to remind people. We need to stand for truth, and we need to do it with grace and wisdom. And really, the best thing that you can do as a Christian is live 
as a Christian. Share Christ with others. Second Chronicles chapter 7 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. See, God's people have to turn from their wicked ways. Are you involved in the wicked ways of society? In the way the world operates? Is that you and you, and you claim the name of Christ? You're part of the problem. It is so important that we remember and we live for Christ like we know we should. And you know what? In order to be the Christian like you know you need to be, same principle applies. Never forget what God has done for you personally. We applied this passage to Israel. We can apply this passage to the United States of America. We could also apply this passage to every single one of us as Christians. If you're a Christian here this morning, you believe that God sent Jesus to die on the cross and he rose again and you admitted you're a sinner and you received him as Lord. Man, you are born again. God has blessed you. You have been redeemed. You've been delivered from bondage to sin, Satan, death. You've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're a child of God, a citizen of heaven, a member of the church, which is called the Bride of Christ. You've been given the Holy Spirit to take up residence inside you. You are given access to constant, intimate communication with the Lord. You enjoy the peace, the satisfaction, the joy of knowing the Lord. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in Christ Jesus. God has been good to you. You have his care and concern and provision over all things. You have a certain hope of heaven when this life is over. Paradise, brand new bodies, a reunion with loved ones. The Lord is good to you. The Lord has changed you. The Lord sacrificed so much to do it. The key is to remember that every day and live accordingly. Live your life out of appreciation. Obey his commandments. Do what he's required. Live the way he wants you to live. And I'll tell you what, you will stand out. You'll make a difference. You'll be salt and light. People will want to know what makes you tick. Why are you so different? Remember. Remember, remember, remember. Never forget. You know, Jesus gave us this ordination that we call, this ordinance that we call communion to remember. We're to do this regularly as a church to remember. To remember what? To remember what Christ did for us. The broken body represented by the bread, the shed blood represented by the juice. This is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross. 
The Son of God left heaven, became man, and died for you. And rose again that third day so that you could be forgiven. You become a member of his family. You could become brand new and get all those things. God is so good, and he did so much. So every time we're at the communion table as a church, it's important to remember. And every time we sit at this table is a time to evaluate the way you are living your life in view of what Christ did for you. Are you, are you really living for him? Are you wanting to make him known? Be reminded of how much he did for you. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to pass out all these elements, and I, I want you to hold them in your hands, and I want you to, to think about what they represent. Think about what Christ did for you. And if you need to, to return to the Lord in some respect, do that. Get right with him. I would also ask that you would pray for this country. Let's pray. I, st- I believe there's many of God's people. And a lot of folks are living in fear, but we need to rise up. Pray for our country. Listen, God is the God of blessing. Look how much he wants to bless over the top. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to bless us with forgiveness and salvation and the hope of eternal life. You must do blessing his way. You don't get to come to God any way you want to. You don't get to make up the way. God has provided one way. And that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Who died on the cross for you. If you've never received him. I mean received him. Asked him to be your Lord and Savior. I want you to have an opportunity to do that. Before you partake of communion with us. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes. And we'll lower the lights. And for those who are going to help me distribute, why don't you come on up in our band? Would you come on up? I would ask you all to just stay in an attitude of reverence, prayer, thanksgiving for what God has done for you. First and foremost, if you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith, do it right now. Don't wait another day, not another moment. Salvation comes through faith in him. Look what he did for you. And he's here. He's alive. He's, he's willing and able to save you. But you've got to ask for the help. And I'd like to lead you in a prayer right now. Just in the quietness of your heart. If you've never done so, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. Thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Save me. Save my soul. Wash away all my sins. Make me a child in your family. 
Give me all that blessing, Lord. And help me to live for you. So we're going to distribute these elements. Um, as the tray comes to you, you're going to find two cups, one cup inside another. The bottom cup has the wafer. The top cup has the juice. Make sure you get both. We're going to hold them together. We're going to all partake together as a body. So hold on to them. Think about what they represent. And you spend time with the Lord personally. And we'll partake together in just a moment.